So sometimes when God leads you to a higher place, you're going to look, feel like you're solitary. You're going to feel like you're deserted and you're going to feel like you're lonely. But this is what you got to know. You're going up to a place of higher. Even though you may feel like you're alone, you're solitary and that you have been deserted. So what you see with your natural eyes and your natural mind is not lying to you, but your spirit man is saying, hey, we finna go up higher. You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. To live by can be defined as how a person believes or what he or she agrees to in life. What I honor, what I follow, what I respect, and what I abide by is largely influenced by what I believe or I think to be true. I have to be careful that I'm aware who or what is influencing me because it's easy to begin to adjust our life around what others believe and what others think is true and not necessarily what is the revealed word of God. From a biblical perspective, when we make the decision to imitate Christ and those who imitate Christ, we're developing beliefs that are life-changing. And we can expect better and we can experience better. Go, if you will, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. So follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. I'm not following Christ. You don't have to follow me. That's why the Lord gives us guidance in his words that we need people in our lives to serve as, serve as examples to help shape how we think and talk and behave more like Jesus. It is it, The Lord knew that we needed people to help us with this process. And many of us who desire to grow to be the best versions of ourselves will seek our information to help us to make better financial decisions, better relationship decisions, and so forth. If you like me, you're looking for ways to live by so you can have the best possible situation for your life. That's why you listen to God's word. That's why you meditate and ponder on his word day and night. That's why we look at ways to apply his word in every area of our life. We look at for better ways so in turn uh, we can do better, whether it's work, our personal life, our business, our health, school, and so forth. We share his word with others in conversations. We listen to anointed preaching and teaching of the word of God. We take advantage of times to grow and learn with other believers. And I know you like me. You probably have listened to a sermon this week. You've studied scripture this week. You prayed this week. And you, and you know your life is better because you did that. In fact, you've gotten to the point, you like me, you can't go a, a whole week without praying. You can't go a whole month without studying scripture. You can't go a whole, it's hard, barely can go a day without talking. To, how, how many can't go a day without talking to Jesus? 
I mean, you can't go one day without talking to Jesus. You got to talk to Jesus every day. And I, I, I understand. I understand what you're talking about there. And as human beings, in the age of information, you can find information. You can Google something, whether it's true or not true. You can Google all, find all types of information about different subject matters. Self-improvement methods help us some things, to, quote unquote, to help us to live a better life mentally, financially, emotionally, and spiritually. And it does not require a lot, a lot of information or, or a lot of time to find information or tips on beliefs such as live life without regrets. Speak positive affirmation to others and yourself. Try new things. Try something new. Nike slogan, just do it. I know some of you have heard this before, eat less sugar and processed foods and eat more fresh fruits and vegetables. Keep your stress level down. Read something daily. Spend less time on your phone. Be a person who constantly self-reflects and learns from others and experience. All types of slogans and different methods for people to get better. While these may be good suggestions to live by, they are limited and there is no guarantee that we'll reach our maximum productivity with these suggestions. I want us as well as well, I want us as well to live a true life that is active, that is powerful, that is efficient and consumed with God's blessing. I want us to live a life that causes our life to be better so we can maximize our potential in life. I want to see us from our youngest all the way to the oldest. We maximize what we do for God. And that's so important to me because we serve a God who is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is all-present. He is someone who can direct and guide our lives, and his name is Jesus. How many know who Jesus is? He's a deliverer. He knows everything. There is not one thing that God does not know. One, not one subject matter he is not an expert in. And he knows how to make our life better. Even in this, I'm still learning how closely linked that what or who I place my confidence in, my trust in, will shape who I become. See, I'm learning that my belief system has everything to do with my outcome in life. See, whatever I place my confidence in is an indication that my belief of what my belief system is. Whoever I place my confidence in, it will become evident based on my conversation, my time, and my energy. See, when Jesus and, and the word of God is in our hearts to the point that it's an overflow, it tends to spill out on the others. Notice what Jesus um, they said in the book of Psalms. My cup runneth over. And I want it to run over with Jesus. I want it to run over with the anointing. I want it to run over with his love. I want it to run over with faith. That's why he tells us in the book of Proverbs to guard our heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. We have to be careful uh, not to let negativity and unbelief dwell in our hearts. Don't let it, don't let that come a part of our life. See, whoever and whatever I believe in impacts how I think about myself and how I think about those around me. You know, you can hear stuff and cause you not to like somebody 
and you ain't met them before. You have to be careful what you hear and how that affects you. That's why I believe that today's mess will give us detailed instructions on how to respond to others as well as ourselves when we receive information or opinions that will try to come and paint a false narrative on, re on the reality of who God is and who we are in God. See, false ideas and suggestions will come into our lives and attempt to unravel our confidence in the God of our salvation. You know what Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16 tells us? It is the wiles of the devil. The devil will send out faults. He'll send out things that will try to unravel, undo, or cause you to be twisted up in your thinking. See, unraveling happens when we give our attention and ear to listen to what others say more than listen to what God is saying. We'll spend our time and energy seeking the approval of people more than the approval of God. And that's why the Holy Spirit will allow moments in our life to help us to see, oh, hallelujah, that what we have in him and his word. And God, I love the fact that God will allow you to see what's in you. Because God already knows what's in you. It's not a surprise to God how you react under any circumstance or any situation. But we need to know how we react so in turn we can make the proper adjustments as we walk in this Christian journey. So let's go over to, back over to Matthew chapter 4 and we'll read verses 1 through 11 and then go a little further. So in the book of Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 through 11 the Bible reads as follows. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And we did fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Afterwards, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Verse 5, then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Verse 7, then Jesus said to him, it is written again, you should not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Verse 10, then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and he behold. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. I like this here because Jesus was led by the Spirit. And when the Spirit leads you, one of the definitions is it's brought you're brought to a higher place. Now, let me just kind of give you the, what that kind of looks like real quickly. 
Because Jesus was led by the Spirit. So the Spirit has led Jesus. He leads him, and I'm going up in and in showing you kind of in the Spirit, to a higher place. Now, when he leads him to a higher place, this is what you need to understand. He is still in the wilderness. Mm. Now, he's in a higher place, but he's in a place that's solitary. He's in a deserted place, and he's in a lonely place. So sometimes when God leads you to a higher place, you're going to look feel like you're solitary, you're going to feel like you're deserted, and you're going to feel like you're lonely. But this is what you got to know. You're going up to a place of higher. Even though you may feel like you're alone, you're solitary, and that you have been deserted. So what you see with your natural eyes and your natural mind is not lying to you, but your spirit man is saying, hey, we finna go up higher now. We finna go up higher in our thinking and our talking and the way we conduct our lives to be more like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit orchestrated this moment in Jesus' life, and he orchestrates moments in our life. Now, I know a couple months ago we studied this particular uh, book, and I want to build, uh, excuse me, at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. I want to build on that. I want to build on what we talked about. Now, the thing I was thinking about when I saw this is that when Jesus led, uh, was led by the Spirit up into the wilderness, I was thinking, you know what? God knew exactly what he was doing when he, was, when he allowed this to take place. And so I believe that God always knows what he's doing when he leads you somewhere. You don't always understand it, but God knows what's going on. He's trying to let you know what's in you. Because God already knows what's in us. That's no secret to God. God knows everything. We talked about that a few minutes ago. So he, he takes us to a high place to see what is really in us. The Holy Spirit is leading us higher, even though on the outside it's going to look lonely, solitude, or deserted. And so the latter part of verse 1, to be tempted. Now, tempted is an interesting word because it says here, it, to tempted means to see what is in us. To see what is in us. Even though God knows already what's in us, we need to know what's in us. We need to know what's in us. How will we react when pressure of life gets on us? We say we're a faith walker, but we'll know when that pressure gets on you. We'll know when that sickness hit. We'll know when that financial trial hit. We'll know if you're a faith walker or not when trials and tribulation, tribulations hit. We're going to know who, who is the real deal and who is not. We're going to know. We're going to know. But notice this. He's going to use the instrument of the devil. He's going to use the instrument, in this case, of the devil. The devil is the accuser, the slanderer, those who oppose the cause of God. But sometimes it's not just the devil that's being used to show you what's in you. The Lord will also use your co-worker to show you what's in you. The, the Lord will also use your fellow students to show you what's in you. The Lord will also use your uh, financial pressure to show you what's in you. God knows what's in you. 
God is not trying to figure out what is in you and how you're going to react. He needs to enlighten us to see how we're going to react. God's not trying to figure out how you're going you gonna to pass the test or not. If you're going to make a 75 or 85 or 95, he knows before he hand you the test exactly what you're going to make. And so he says, I need you to know what's in you so in turn you can make the necessary adjustments to be a better faith walker. So, oh, because sometimes, I, let me say this before I move further. Sometimes we think some things is true, but once we get into the word of God, oh, that really is true. Oh, that really ain't what I thought it was. Oh, I'm not really believing like I thought I believed. And so I need that in order for me to understand what's in me. And sometimes people are being used by the enemy and being used by God. Let me say this. Being used by God and don't even know they're being used by God. You got some co-workers right now being used by God. Don't even know they're being used by God. You got some people that you're working with right now that got your prayer life up to level 10 because Look how y'all looking now. Did I drop something? I want you to understand this. That God got people in your family that got you praying like you ain't never prayed before because of he knows what's in you. He knows what's in you. He knows what's in you. And, and it's not that God don't know, but we need to know what's in us. And we need to understand what's in us. And so God will use whoever he wants to show us what is in us. He'll use whoever and whatever to show us what's in us. All right, now let's move a little further. And so let me say this before I move on, though. It takes maturity to remain an effective witness when you're going through some of the things we're going through. Even though you're dealing with this stuff, you still need to be an effective witness. Because when you're going through, you still got to grow up in the word of God. And sometimes God will allow whoever or whatever to come up, whatever pressure to come up, whatever trial to come up, whatever tribulation to come up, to see how mature you are in scripture. To see how much you really believe the word of God. Are you, have you grown up in the word of God? Are you still witnessing despite the trials you're going through? Are you still loving your neighbor even though they may not love you? Are you still giving despite the fact that you've been tempted not to give? How you still, are you still following the way, the way of God even though it don't always seem right? Are you growing up in your responsibilities? See, this is grow up time when you're going through. It's grow up time. It's time for us, some of us, I ain't say all of us, but some of us to be in a position where we're faith walkers, not just in tongue, but in deed. But in deed, but in deed. We got to grow up emotionally. Why are we letting stuff push us around like that? We got to grow up financially. Why are you letting these folks get into your, quote unquote, get into your nerves again? They the same folks they were before when you first got Started working that job. They ain't changed. They were cussing when you first got there. And they've been cussing six months later and a year later. They the same ones. Why you letting this? You know how the attitude is. Why you letting it get on you like that? Why are you doing that? You got to grow up. You got to grow up. Why are we letting the same situation happen last year get on, bother us this year? Why, why are we not growing up from that? 
Why are we not? And this is what the Lord would do. He'll say, this is what's in you now. You've been, you are a student of the word. You've been studying scripture. You quote the word on a daily basis. You talk to me every day. Why do you let these inferior things get in the way of what I've told you about yourself? Why? We got to grow up from that. We got to grow up from that. We need mature saints. We need mature individuals to help us in the word of God. And sometimes we just need to fast. Notice what Jesus did in Matthew 4 and 2. And we had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Afterward, he was hungry. After he had fasted, means to abstain from food or drink or combination for spiritual reasons. Remember, we just don't skip a meal to be skipping it. We spend time with God when you skip a meal. We spend time with God. We spend time with God. You know, some people just get hungry. They, don't be, they have no purpose in their fasting. Have a purpose in your fasting to spend time with Jesus. Follow me here. Spend time with Jesus. So, 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. He had suffered a want or a need or he had an appetite. See, fasting and praying will cause our flesh, our carnal nation, our carnal nature to die down and our spirit man to live. Your carnal nature just going to die out. First, we're going to be crying out for food. We're crying out for other items. But now it's going to die down. And now your spirit man is going to rise back up. See, fast has a tendency to deal with our appetites, our desires, our cravings and such like. I fasted and I fasted. I've been, listen, you go through a phase because your body may be used to eating at a certain time. I've been there. By that certain time, my stomach's like, hey, we finna eat. What you mean we, we skipping the meal today? I want a biscuit right now. It's 1030. We'll have a biscuit by now and some coffee. What do you mean we ain't got no biscuit and coffee by 1030, 1035? Hold on. What's going on here? I'm sorry. Y'all don't fast like that. I'm sorry. This, this my stomach be talking to me when I fast. Okay. But my body be telling me stuff that you eat, used to eat at a certain time. You used to eat at a certain meal or a certain thing. What's going on? And, and whatever it is. My body be talking to me, telling me I'm going to eat. So now I'm telling you, no, we're not going to eat today until this certain time right here. And so now you put that body under subjection. You put it under subjection. And I believe through fasting, the Holy Spirit is able more to effectively teach us how to control certain desires, faults, and such like. See, that desire can help you to control other desires. That some are godly and some are not godly. See, fasting takes on a physical changes as well. You can go through all types of changes when you are fasting. For example, a lack of interest in food and drink, a feeling of tired all the time, feeling weaker. Sometimes you fast and you, you, you feel strong one time, you feel weak another time. I remember many times I would fast. Sometimes I'm like, ooh, I got all this energy on fasting. Okay, I feel good. I can fast on for th three more days. 30 minutes later, I can't make it no more. Because <laughs> my body's going through a change. Going through a change. So there's all types of situations that come up. And then Notice something when you're fasting, if you're not careful after a long window of time without food, 
Can you imagine what happened to Jesus? The enemy will try to pounce on you what may seem like some of your weakest moments. Pounce on you. Pounce on you. And sometimes people don't even know. Because, you know, the Bible tells us when we fast, not to tell folks we fast. And that's time people want to buy your food is when you start fasting. And not just any place. They want to take you to a place you like. And they say, hey, I got you today. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Woo! And you know, first thing come to my mind, oh, yeah, I can eat that food today. Because that's what I want. That's what I desire. But the, the Holy Spirit says, I thought we spent time together. Oh, God. I'll be honest with you. I've been fasting, and somebody offered me food. I forgot I was fasting. Just that quick. Just that quick. Now, you may not have things going like that. But fasting, but then the Holy Spirit reminds you, and you start putting that desire under. And see, it, if you learn how to put that desire under, what other desires can you put under? Other things that are not, you don't, need, you don't want a part of, put them under as well. But notice the enemy will try to pounce on you. And see, he'll pounce on you with things like he'll send words of self-doubt. He'll try to make us question God and his word. He'll try to make us question who we are in God and his ability to work in us. And on our behalf, the enemy comes with a message to attack the character of God and our character as well. And one of the primary focuses of, of the enemy is to get us to go against the will of God. Whatever capacity it is, the enemy wants you to go against the will of God. So we see in Matthew 4 and 3, now when the tempter came, when the tempter came. Now for those who remember the other study, Jesus, we know Jesus knew the tempter came. We know Jesus knew the tempter came. And we talked about this before, but let me remind you, he could have stopped him from coming anytime he wanted. Because that's the God we serve. Because, see, John 16 and 13 lets us know how be when he, the spirit of truth, has come. Let me give you the last few words here. He'll show you things to come. Lord knows everything about to happen. He could have stopped the tempter from coming. But he's teaching us something here. The Lord is teaching us. He says, listen, if I let him come and I know, listen. Thank you, Lord. When God knows the enemy is coming. He knows what trick he's going to bring with him when he comes. Because he knows. God is all-knowing. He knows whatever the enemy is going to bring. He said, I know what he's going to bring. And I said, you know what, God? I appreciate that. That lets me know that when the enemy comes at me, he knows the attack he's going to bring at me. He knows what he's going to bring at me before I even know what's going on. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit will teach you and show you what you should, how you should prepare yourself for what's about to come your way. How, what does he do, Pastor Dobbs? He gives us a word on a Sunday to prepare us for what's going to happen on Tuesday. He prepares us on Sunday what's going to happen on a Wednesday. He, he, listen, he knows what's going to happen at your job next week. He knows what's going to happen with your family next week. He knows what's going to happen in your finances next week. He knows what's going to happen in your body next week. So what? He is preparing you today. 
by the Holy Spirit. This is what God does. He didn't tell you exactly every detail of what's going to happen. But he said, I'm preparing you right now so you'll be able to defeat the enemy next week. You'll be able to defeat the enemy next week. You'll be able to defeat the enemy next month. You'll be able to defeat the enemy. What's going on in your life right now, you will be able to defeat the enemy. You know what? He He is preparing you. He is preparing you right now for what's about to take place. So I got to give you. So she says, uh, Dobbs, you got to give him a word that's going to help him to deal what they're going to deal with coming up. They don't even know what's about to happen. But I know because I'm an all-knowing God. I know everything. And so I'm preparing my people for what's about to happen in their life. So when the tempter comes, when he comes, when he comes, this is what uh, he brought to, the, uh, to God. He says this. If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, well, if he's going to use that trick on Jesus, you know he's going to use that trick on us. If you are a child of God, notice here, he came after God trying to get God to deny who he was. To, oh, my, uh, maybe, maybe like this. Trying to get him to think about, am I really the son of God? Am I really saved? Am I really a part of God's kingdom? Am I really a, a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ? Am I really saved? Am I really going to heaven? Is this word really going to work? Is is fasting working? Is giving working? Is praying working? Is the things of God? I've been asking God for this, that, and the other. Is it working? Is it working? Is it working? If you are the son of God, command. Command what? These stones become bread. Notice the temple comes with the intent of bringing evil and twisted thoughts to attach or disprove a person's character. He's trying to disprove God's character. If you are the son of God. And the enemy will do the same thing to us. You ain't live long enough. If you're really saved, you wouldn't have them kind of thoughts. If you're really saved, you know, you'll be out witnessing more than what you're witnessing. If you're really saved, you will be, listen, you'll be more on fire for God. If you really say you wouldn't go through the trials you go through, thoughts come in our heads and in our minds. If you were really a child of God, and this is what you got to understand, he was in the wilderness. He was alone. He was in a solitude place, and it wasn't. And this is what you understand. If you heard it coming from somebody else, you could say, "Hey, rebuke you." Remember, it was thoughts that were coming from a person they couldn't put their hands on. See, many, sometimes we have thoughts that come at us that we can't put our hands on the person and tell them to shut up. Tell them to get out. Because, you know, if TV's playing and you don't like what's playing on TV, you can turn the TV off. That end that, don't it? That ends that. You don't like what's playing on the radio, on your phone, you can just turn it off. 
But there's some thoughts that come at your mind that you got to learn how to turn off that don't have a volume control on, that don't have an on-off button on. You got to learn how to capture the thoughts of the enemy. Because the Bible says you got to learn how to cast down imagination and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. See, there's, there's thoughts that come at you when you're alone and by yourself that you cannot put a volume control on and turn it from 1 to 2 to 3 or to 10 or turn down or turn off. There are thoughts that come at you from a natural standpoint. You got to learn how to cast this thought down because these thoughts are coming at your head. Ephesians tell us it's the wiles of the devil. The thoughts are coming. And notice, Jesus was alone solitude place and the tempter came the tempter came how many times have we been alone and the thoughts came how many times have we in in places we're at home by ourselves and the enemy brought a thought in our mind that says you're not worth it this is what to me you got to be careful when people get thoughts about I'm not worth it or have suicide thoughts it's thoughts when they're by themselves sometimes they have thoughts of quitting and, and because there's so many thoughts that come at your mind when you're by yourself and there's nobody around you riding in the car by yourself, but thoughts are just constantly coming in your mind. At home by yourself, but thoughts are constantly coming in your mind. Thoughts of evil, twisted thoughts, trying to get you to doubt who you are in God. Oh God, that's there's so much in this character the enemy is coming after God's character he was coming after his character and the the tempter will come to test our character and entice us to sin as well the tempter will use people to test our faith directly indirectly sometimes you by yourself and he'll come at you and see I've lived long enough to know and understand that the enemy will come at you when you are alone by yourself. Nobody in the house but you. He'll come at you. He'll come at you. And we need to understand how Jesus dealt with that situation. He, we need to understand how he dealt. Now when the tempter came, I want you to notice what he said here. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Thank God for John 16 and 13. How be we he the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Let me do one more thought right quickly. One more thought I thought about the enemy. I wrote this one down. Sometimes the enemy will come at you and tell you you can't do the job that you got promoted for. He'll tell you you can't be a good husband, a good wife, a good supervisor, a good leader. He'll come at you and tell you. And sometimes he'll use people to tell you, you know, if I was you, if I was you, he'll mess with you. He'll mess with you. He'll tell you. I, th- I wrote this one down. Have you ever been had someone try to speak words to you and question your ability to do a certain job? The enemy will always send things. But notice what he does here. He says this to God, um, to God, command these stones become bread. Now, when he told Jesus to command these stones to become bread, you must understand 
that the God that we serve can turn stones into bread. God's not weak. God's not limited in what he can do. Stones to bread. If, if God can speak to a rock or tell, hit, tell Moses to hit that rock and water come out, we know he can turn stones into bread. He had manna or bread, well, excuse me, what is it? Manna terminology coming out of the sky. So you know he could have did that, but notice where the command came from. It came from the enemy, the mouth of the enemy. He told him, or he told him, command or say or speak that these stones become bread. Jesus referenced what is written. In other words, you can say, hallelujah, you can say a lot of different things. But what is the proof at? He, and Jesus said, it is written. But before I deal with what is written, I need for you to understand this. The command came from the enemy. There may be some acts and laws that are legal across the land, but where did the law come from? Did the law come from God or did it come from the temple? The, the, like, for example, my money to, is mine to give God his tithes, or do I do the will of the tempter? My choice is to treat people right, or do I do the will of the temple? See, it was in God's command. He could have commanded the stones to become bread, but where did the command come from? It came from the enemy or the tempter. And any time that the tempter is saying things, we don't need to do what the tempter says. The tempter can tell you, you got the ability to tell the truth, or will you do the will of the tempter? Because it's what? It's in our hand. It's in our responsibility. We can do the will, but it's up to us on whether or not we're going to do it or not. See, Jesus, see, oh yeah, I got this one. I like this one. Jesus can tell you, I want you to Fellowship with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But the will of the tempter says, I'm not fellowshipping with anybody. What will or whose command are you going to obey? God's or the tempter? And many things that can be illegal in society to do, but it, but it didn't come from God. And you got to make sure that whatever society tells you or says is legal did that command come from God or did it come from society? And you got to know the difference. Just because they make society makes something legal don't mean God make it legal. Everybody see the difference? Because when God make it legal, that's fine. But if God don't make it legal, I don't care how many laws they pass. It's still not legal in the eyes of God. Everybody see the difference there? Now, but he answered and said, it is written. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Notice how God answered in Matthew 4 and 4. He, asked, he gave an answer to a question. And he began to speak and say, it is written. It's written in the sacred books. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It, Jesus was saying, telling the same. I'm in the place in my life because the Holy Spirit, I'm in this place 
that the Holy Spirit led me here. I fasted 40 days and 40 nights. I could turn these stones into bread, but it is written. I'm going to speak what God tells me to speak. And what did he get? What did they get that scripture from? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. You can reference that Deuteronomy 8 and 3. So he humbled himself, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man should not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, Jesus answered what is written. Now, this is the thing I had to, you got to ask yourself the question. Whatever Jesus would have said would have been, it is written, right? But he said this to let us know, hey, you're not going to be, do like I do. Go back to what's written because the power was in my word. The power was in the written word of God. I mean, Jesus could have said, get away, say, that would have been it. But you know, what did he say? It is written. Quoted Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3. It is written, man shall not live or have a genuine and authentic relationship with God, excuse me, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds that goes forth from the mouth of God. So notice what Jesus was living by. He was living by what was written. And he wants us to be in the position that whatever goes on in our life, we live by what is written. Not my opinion, not what I think, but what is written. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, this is a proceeding word that comes from the mouth of God. This is what we live by. This is a flowing word from God that will sustain us in this life and beyond into eternity. And so he... God knows that if we start living like this, if we start making decisions like this, if we start living like this, we're going to be a whole lot better in our life. We're going to make decisions based on what is written. And do you notice how God is setting that example for us in the text? But let me say this to you before I go on. Because you got to rightly divide the word. Because the devil knows the word too. The devil knows the word too. Because it goes on to tell us. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Then the devil took him up in the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you are the son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written. So notice something here. Not only God quoted what is written, the devil start quoting back, it is written. Therefore, you better know what the word says for yourself. You got to be able to rightly divide what the word says. Because the devil can quote the word back to you. But he have you twisted. He can have it twisted. Notice he twists up this word right here. He, well, he tried to twist it on Jesus, but you know, Jesus, he knew what the enemy was going to bring in him before he brought it. So therefore, you know, next week, God knows what you're going to deal with next week. He said, listen now, and sometimes you may end up hearing a word that's quote unquote written in the Holy Writ, and it may not be rightly divided. And you got to know, hey, okay, is this, 
Is this right? It's written, but is it right? He quoted Psalms 91, verses 11 and verse 12. Psalms 91, verse 11 and 12 reads as follows. For he should give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they should bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Now, he quoted Psalms 91, 11 and 12. But notice where it came from. It came from the tempter. It came from the tempter. And so you got to know what comes from the tempter and what comes from the mouth of God. There is a huge difference. The tempter will twist the word, but God will give you revelation knowledge that will help you live by help you make your decisions, help you to think, help you to talk, help you to do, help your relationships, help you in every area of your life. And I also noticed too that the devil took him up into a holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And I thought about this, the devil took him up higher, but it's a false high. It's a false high. The devil will take you to a false high, a false reality, a false spiritual being, a false place where the Holy Spirit is nowhere in his presence. And you got to be able to discern the difference. I wish I could be with you 24-7 and say, hey, no, that ain't right. This ain't right. But the Holy Spirit can. Holy Spirit say, hey, no, that ain't right. I know they quoted scripture. And there's some people out there that can quote scripture, y'all. They can give you stuff. Uh, there is a group out there. I'm not going to call the name. They can quote scripture, and you'll think, man, that sounds right. Because they quote Bible. But you got to know where it came from. Did it come from the tempter, or did it come from God? And I tell you the difference right now. God's word is going to be showered with love. Whereas this other group is going to be showered with hate. That's one of the main differences beside it. And you got to know the difference. You got to know the difference. And in verse 7, he says this. That Jesus said to him, it is written, you should not tempt the Lord your God. You should not tempt the Lord your God. Let's go into verse 8. Matthew 4, verse 8 and 9. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain. Notice he took him up to another high position. Remember, it's a false high. It's not the high of God. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Notice that the tempter is looking for worship. The tempter is looking for somebody to worship him. When we the only one we should be worshiping is Jesus. The only one we should be worshiping is Jesus. And the enemy will try to get you to worship everything else except Jesus. He'll get you to worship people on social media. He'll get you to worship people in entertainment. He'll get you to worship athletes. He'll get you to worship anything else. But he will not have you worshiping Jesus. And notice where he places these people that he wants you to worship in a high place. In a high place. In a high place. And you got to know which one. Excuse me. You got to know who Jesus is. In every situation. In every situation. And verse 10. Matthew 4 and 10. 
Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written. Notice he went back to what's written. Again, this is an example for us that we can go back, we go back to what is written. What's written. But again, the devil knows what's written too, y'all. Notice he quoted Psalm 91 with no problem. And we have to know whose mouth did it come from. Remember, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of who? God. But the tempter can quote scriptures too. Because he sure quoted Psalm 91. And he quoted on Jesus too. So you know he's going to quote it on you. You know that, right? Never be, well, you know, the, the devil, if I, I hear the word, then that's going to be the final say. So, did it come from God, though? Did it come from God? And was it rightly divided? Was it rightly divided? In verse 10, then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Him only you shall serve. Only him you should worship or do the service of or follow his commands. Remember we talked about earlier, follow me as I follow Christ. As I follow Christ is an act of worship. As an act of worship. And so we follow me as I follow the word. And it goes on to tell him in verse 11, then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. We learn from that that the devil only got a certain amount of time to tempt you. Only a certain amount of time. I know when you're going through, it seems like it lasts forever. I've been there. I understand that, and I, I, I feel for you on that. It may be only for, a, listen, it may be only a couple of days, but them couple of days can feel like the longest couple of days in your life. I'm talking about it can feel long. When you're going through, I mean, you, it feels long. Your mind be going through, your heart be going through, your emotions be going through, everything be, listen, y'all may not understand that, but this is me, okay? I have everything going through. Body be, I don't want to eat nothing. Can't enjoy my food like I want to. Can't look at the TV, but can't enjoy TV. Can't enjoy my family. Can't enjoy a good piece of dessert. Can't enjoy all the good things that God has for me because I'm going through. But God says, this is only temporary. Therefore, we don't make permanent decisions on temporary situations. We always go by what is written to make our decision. That's how we live by. That's how we make decisions. That's how, listen, when it comes to whatever it is, when it comes to God, we make our decisions based on what his word says. And it's only going to last for a, a season. And let me say this. When the devil left, behold, angels came and ministered to him. How many times did God come and minister to us? Watch this. We, he was alone at first, right? And then the devil came, and the devil had to go, and the angels came and ministered to him. They ministered to him. They ministered. And how many times have God ministered to us? How many times has God kept us? How many times that when we fell alone and the enemy left, God came and strengthened us? Strengthened us. 
some of us been through some rough trials in our life. Some of us been through some things like, I don't wish, I don't wish this on nobody. But God kept you through that whole process. He kept you. He kept you. He kept you. He kept you because he knew that you were living by a preceding word. He knew that when you live by a preceding word, that that temptation is not going to last for a season. And after that season, the angels came and ministered to him. Thank you, Lord, for ministering to us in this sanctuary. Thank you, Lord, for ministering to us in our schools, in our workplace, in our business. Because the tempter can leave anytime. We don't know when he's leaving. He can ride in your car for uh, 20 minutes, and all of a sudden he got to get out. And then angels come and minister to you, strengthen you, help you along the way. And, and I like when the angels come and minister to you, they're going to help you. They're going to help you because you've been through something. You've been through something, but you're making decisions based on the word of God. It is written. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer requests and testimonies to our website at occvr.org. That's occvr.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at occvr.org. Click on the Give button to give online. Or you can utilize text to give. Text give to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at occvr.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.